0: Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Today the podcast episode is a little bit different because I'm bringing you an excerpt from the first day of the Do More Than Therapy blogging challenge, which if you're listening to this on the day it goes live, starts on Monday the 19th of October so there is still time to sign up now and get yourself into the most supportive mental health focused blogging challenge on the internet. So I'm really excited for this challenge and I wanted to bring you the first lesson so that it can whet your appetite, get you excited if you're booked into the challenge and if you're not to encourage you to sign up. It's totally free and it's five days of support with guessing your blog out of your head, into the world and making a difference in your practice so that you can start to create the kind of business that's going to allow you to reach more people, help more people, live your values and avoid burnout. So I'll get on with the episode now um, but I just want to say if you like this, if this excites you and you want to work more on your blogging, get signed up for that challenge because we're kicking off on Monday. Today, we are talking about how to pick a title and a topic that people are actually going to want to read, that your ideal client is actually looking for. Good psychoeducation blog posts answer real questions that real people have in their real lives. Real is the important word here. Whatever we write about, it has to be something that a person would really type into a search engine. So there's no one size fits all for that. For example, if you were writing a blog post for yoga instructors about how to incorporate more meditation into their practice, a problem like, why can't I get my class attendees to do diaphragmatic breathing would probably be very real for them. However, your average stressed out bank manager probably doesn't know what diaphragmatic breathing is and definitely wouldn't be searching for it. So there are some simple steps that you can take to figure out what your people are likely to be searching for. Step one, and you've heard me say this before, (laughs) you have to know your ideal client. So go back and listen to the podcast episode that I recorded on creating an ideal client avatar. I'll drop you the link. Have a look at it and pick just one ideal client avatar for this blog post. I know that we want to be inclusive and that's really important so I'm not suggesting that every blog you write is just for this one person but it is impossible to write good quality content for more than one person at a time. You have to literally imagine yourself sitting across from that person in my experience. So just for the purposes of this exercise for today pick one ideal client to write to and then we're going to be talking to them. So there are loads of ways to find them and talk to them and I go into that in the Ideal Client Avatar episode. Um, But if you're lucky enough to be working with them right now, then hook up a Zoom call, ask a few questions or just make a note of keywords that they use with you because that is by far the quickest way. Listen to the episode for ideas of how to get hold of them if you're not currently working with them right now. Number two. Record what questions they ask you and note down any common words and phrases. Go through your emails, voicemails, session notes. What do they tell you they worry about in their words? Number three, record what questions they ask each other. Now this might sound a bit creepy, but by this I mean hang out in Facebook groups or other communities where your people are talking to each other and just lurk and make notes of the words, the problems, the phrases, the way that they frame things. Because all too often, we frame things in the way that we see them. So we might want to use very non-pathologizing language, for example. But if that isn't the way that your clients are talking about the problem, they are never going to type that phrase into Google. So we have to let go of our. preferences about how to talk about things sometimes and we have to meet our clients where they're at that is really crucial so first we need to know where they're at and at this stage that's about making notes about how they talk to each other when they don't know you're listening about their problems because often as soon as somebody knows they're talking to a psychologist they try and mirror your language whereas what we want to do is we want to mirror theirs which doesn't mean that we won't encourage even within our blog post a little bit of attitudinal change um, we probably will but we need to for our title and for our introduction we need to be meeting them where they're at so make a note of those key terms number four and um, this is something i learned um, from janet murray really recently and um, so i can't accept any credit for this but this is such a good idea i had to share it with you read book reviews on amazon that are on your key topic and look at what people are saying about how that book helped them to solve their problem They will often describe the problems that they were facing in really colourful and emotive terms. And that is going to give you a really good indicator of what words resonate with your audience and what's kind of going on in their head when they think about their problem. So for example if I'm writing a blog for women diagnosed with ADHD which is a project I'm working on I could look at the comments left uh, on Amazon under a radical guide for women with ADHD and that would give me some really good pointers to see how people that don't have a psychology background might frame their problems. Number five. Use a tool like Answer the Public to sense check the questions that you've come up with and find some more. So I quite like Answer the Public. If you type in something like depression, it's going to overwhelm you because people have asked pretty much every question that could be asked on Answer the Public. But it's basically a tool that if you type in a search term, it will then spit out at you a report of what questions have been typed into Google or other search engines about that particular topic. So it will give you good ideas if you're struggling to come up with questions that people might ask. It will give you some really good ideas. Um, And if the things that you've come up with are not there, then you know that they haven't been searched for at all. So it is kind of a useful tool to sense check, but I think all of the other steps are more important than these last couple that are to do with with tools that you can use. So number six, then, is using keywords everywhere or a similar tool to check search volumes. And for this, again, I don't think this is as important as using your knowledge of the people you're trying to help and your clients but it is a tool that you can use to check that people actually do search for the terms that you're thinking about writing in your title. So avoid terms with very high search volumes, as it'll be hard to stand out in the crowd, but go for something that does at least have some people searching for it. And I know that's really vague of me, but I can't be that much more specific because it really depends on your area, on your specialism, what Kind of search volumes are going to work for you. So, for example, if I'm writing something really specific which is for women with ADHD who have also been through birth trauma, I'm not going to find really, really high search volumes for that, not at all. I might only find maybe 30 hits in a month. However, I might be fairly likely to rank for that. So it might be that that person who's like, oh, I've got ADHD and I've been through birth trauma and I don't know what is the most effective treatment for me. They find my blog post and they book me because I'm the only person talking about it. So it might really work for me to write that blog post, even though it's a fairly low volume search term. Now you know the sorts of problems people are really searching for. And you've got a list of words that they use to describe their problem. So it's time to come up with a title that's going to make them want to read your blog. So I do this first before I do anything else so that I can keep the structure of my blog really tight around one very specific issue. So there are a few key principles that you want to keep in mind here. You need to name the problem, not the solution. People don't search for CBT for anxiety. They search for What to do when I can't stop worrying. They don't search for top tips to improve my attachment with my child. They search for what do I do if my three-year-old hates me. We type our problems into search engines. But most of the time, we title our blog posts with the solutions. If you name the problem rather than imposing a solution in your title, you're more likely to come up as a match to someone's search term. Your content snippet, which we're going to create later on in the Do More Than Therapy blogging challenge, will then let clients know that you also have the solution to that problem. Secondly, you need to call out your ideal client's demographic and situation. So you probably know already that it's best to be very specific with your blog titles, as Google can be really crowded and It's very difficult in the mental health space to come to the top of Google search results if you're writing about a big topic like depression, as all the slots there are going to be taken by highly trusted sites like the BBC, NHS, NICE, Psychology Today, I could go on. Finally, you have to do the one o'clock in the morning test. Can you imagine your ideal client being bothered to type this into Google at one o'clock in the morning? Personally, I am quite into my Google Analytics. Anyone who's listened um, to the episode with Vicky Jakes, or who's in the membership and has done her masterclass, will know that I literally look and see what time people access my content, and I do a little happy dance if it's one o'clock in the morning because you know from your experience, especially if you're a parent. I know that the stuff that I've typed into Google at one o'clock in the morning, that is the stuff that causes me the most anxiety in my life. (laughs) And it's the stuff that truly bothers me. And if I've reached one person in that dark moment, then I'm a very, very happy psychologist. Um, So that's my final test for a title. Do I think somebody would really type that in at one o'clock in the morning? Which is quite a different way of thinking about it compared to what I used to when I started out blogging. When, if I'm honest, when I started out blogging, I used to give things titles that sounded good. And actually, there really is no point doing that. You know, what was I? One recently, actually, I I wrote a blog for another organization. And they're free to retitle my work however they want. And they called my blog about panic attacks, what to do when panic attacks, um, which I loved. I thought it was kind of cool and punchy and jazzy. And it kind of works for them because they've already got quite a big audience. So they don't necessarily need to worry as much about search engine optimization. But that's the kind of title I would have come up with when I first started blogging. It's never going to be a result that's returned to somebody because nobody is going to type into their search engine, what do I do when panic attacks? <laughs> uh, they're just not. They're going to They're gonna type in, um, you know, how can I deal with a panic attack? Or actually probably, you know, what do I do to stop a panic attack is more likely. That's how much we need to get into the language of our clients, even if we don't like it. You know, I'm thinking about um, what my hairdresser might say about a panic attack. She'd be likely to say something like, How can I just make a panic attack go away? Or I can't go on with panic attacks anymore. I need to get rid of them. Um, So those are the kind of statements that would make better blog post titles, even though they might not be that comfortable or congruent with how we like to work and how we like to write. I hope that's given you an insight into the good stuff there is to come in the Do Modern Therapy 5-Day Blogging Challenge. If I haven't persuaded you yet, I just want you to think about 2021 how do you want your practice to be different in 2021? If you're currently totally overrun and totally overwhelmed by a high client load or work that isn't quite hitting your values, then you have to do something differently now to make sure that you've got the kind of practice and the kind of business that you want going forward. And the Do More Than Therapy blogging challenge is a great opportunity to start making those changes Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. If you share my passion for doing more than therapy, then make sure you come over and join my free Do More Than Therapy Facebook community, where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists. I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy.